You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. Who is your role model? That's the question I'm going to start out with. Who is your role model? You know, everyone in life, we all have someone who is shaping our habits, our behaviors, our mannerism. Either we have or have had influences or examples that we model, that we live by. Some could be positive, some could be negative. Michael Jordan once said, I never thought a role model should be negative. And on the other side of the court, Sir Charles Barkley put it like this. I'm not a role model. Just because I dunk a basketball doesn't mean I should raise your kids. That's his opinion. I truly believe we have people who shape our lives. There are people in our lives who have great influence, whether we like it or not. There are people in our lives that are being shaped by us. And the Bible makes it pretty clear that for a Christian, Jesus should be our role model. That's why we're called disciples. Jesus said, come and what? Follow me. And when we follow him, we learn from him, we follow his lead, we pattern our life after how he lived his. Do you agree? Say an amen if you do. Though we will never do that perfectly, we should be moving progressively in his direction. People in the church, people that are called of God, should be moving progressively it's called sanctification you move progressively into the image of Christ to become more Christ like so i titled this uh, this message this morning following the example of Christ and remember we've been in romans we've been learning the the the, the just the amazing truth of scripture through this wonderful book in the bible and Chapter 14 that we talked about last week, if you were not here, I would definitely listen to the podcast because it talked about a matter of conscience. And, it, and, it, and it, we talked about how important, how important it is for us not to violate the conscience of another brother or sister in Christ. We're all at different places. Amen? We talked about disputable matters. And, uh, and that's what I'm talking about when you violate someone's conscience about disputable matters. And those are what the Bible uh, calls those things that are disputable because they are not clearly defined in the scriptures. Do you remember in Romans what those two were? Do you remember what we talked about? We talked about diet and we talked about days. 
observing special holy days that the Jews, they held, they held very tight to, to those convictions that the feasts were very important and, and uh, also to co- eating kosher meats. And, and the pagans, I mean, the, the, those that were the Gentiles, uh, they, they worshipped pagan gods and before they came to Christ. And in the pagan temples, they would, they would sacrifice animals and those meats were given to the, the pagan gods. So they were very, their conscience was troubled. Whenever they would eat meat. But, but the Bible teaches us some very important truths of how do we handle those kinds of things. What does that mean to us today? We talked about that last week. Remember, it could mean meeting on Sunday morning. Some people might say, if you don't meet on Sunday morning, you're not a Christian. <laughs> right? You don't meet on the Lord's Day. Um, it's, I had a meeting with some pastors just last week, and, and one of the pastors is just launching a church in January, doing a wonderful work in Tucson, and they're launching, a, 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 it's going to be a Sunday evening service. They're not going to do Sunday mornings. Can't believe them. We talked about having church on Saturdays and things like that. We, yeah, that we can worship God on any day, amen? Um. It could mean a Bible translation. There are those that would hold fast that there's only one translation. And we looked at that. How about ladies cutting their hair? There are those that would hold true that their conscience would tell them that if a lady cuts her hair, that's blasphemous. They should have their hair long. And we talked about how the scriptures address that and... and and, it, uh, and a lot of it has to do with culture. It has to do with where we're at. How about a, a preacher wearing jeans to church? Preaching in jeans. Ooh. I mean, PJ would be going to hell, right? But we talked about that. And, we talked, and, and I really want for you guys to listen to the podcast because it's so important. There's so much context there that I can't get into because we have to move forward. Uh, the thrust of it is this, beloved, the thrust of it is we have to let love be our guide and do everything that we can to not violate our own convictions and also the convictions of others. Today I want to use three points as we move into chapter 15 of Romans, and we're going to look at the first 14 verses of this, uh, of this wonderful chapter. And uh, there's some very important things that are going to be addressed uh, or expanded upon as far as what do we do about conscience and what do we do about loving people where they're at. Let me pray first of all as we go into these three points and to the Word of God. Father, again, we thank you for your love and your grace, and, and we thank you at this moment for your Word. We thank you that it is a lamp unto our feet so that we will not stumble through life, so that we'll have clear direction, so we'll have clear guidance. And we can do things that will honor you. And that's our prayer today, that everything that we do honors you. Because if we honor you, the Bible says you'll honor us. And so we pray that as, as this word is preached, as this message is, is, is shared, Lord God, that, that you'll be glorified. And when we leave here, that all of us will leave with a better understanding of how we can be example, how Lord, the Lord Jesus can be our example. And we can be an example to others in that. So we pray this in his name. And all of God's people again said, amen. So point number one is simply this. Life isn't just about you. 
Have you ever noticed that our flesh will always lead us to put all our focus on us? Anyone notice that? Some of you are saying that happened this morning, right before I came to church. We make it about me, or I think this, or I think that. Have you ever talked to someone and they say, well, I think this. I hear what you're, I hear what you're saying, but I think we should do it like this. <laughs> Pastor, I, I, I hear what you're saying, that the Bible says that, but I think it says this. You ever been around someone like that? And they always have an opinion. They always have, I, I, I. They have I-itis. You see, the, chapter, the chapters of, of Romans 14 and 15, it, take, it takes our focus off of us and it puts it on love and being Christ-like. It teaches us not to judge people on disputable matters. Now, now, here's an important thing. We need to call sin, sin. Amen? There are times that we, we need to deal with things in the church, and that is important. But there are some things that are disputable matters that, that people can argue about till they're red in the face. It could be eschatology. Eschatology is end times. There's four positions, strong positions, on what's going to happen in the end times. And every one of those positions think they're right. Here's what I say, Jesus is coming back. That's a for sure. And every one of those positions take, take that same uh, position. But they all have different interpretations. And so we don't, make it a, a, we don't take a hard position at Living Word Chapel on any one of those four. Because we want to love you where you're at. Now I have a position, but I don't make it a, a point of division. Amen? Are you with me? If sometimes, here's, here's the thing, if sometimes uh, violates the weakened conscience or weakened convictions, those who are not convicted should walk in love. Okay, but I'm reading from my notes and I got a little bit confused. It just tells us that when we're walking in love, that those people that are weak in conscience or strong in their convictions or, or strong in, in, in conscience, that... The, the, the premise should be that we should always walk in love. We should meet people where they're at. So the Bible teaches us this. It says, don't despise the weak. Don't despise the weak. That's why Paul writes in Romans 15:1, We who are strong ought to bear the failings of the weak. Now notice that Paul includes himself with the strong in conscience. He didn't do that in chapter 14. He did it in chapter 15. He was convinced that every day was equally holy. And all food was permissible to eat with a thankful attitude toward God. He had come out of Judaism. And he, he was a Pharisee and he was convinced that only kosher meats could be eaten and observed that, that there were special days and feasts that needed to be diligently looked after and, and, and religiously uh, uh, observed. That's where he came from. But when he came to Christ, he found something that you don't find in legalism. He found grace. And so he was convinced 
that he could eat any food and it was going to be pleasing to God as long as we thank God for what he provided. He was convinced that every day was holy unto God, that there was no day that was greater than another day. But the grace of Christ, it changed his life and it changed his conviction. And I want you to think about that. The grace of Christ will change our lives and it will change our convictions. You will look at people differently if you look at them through the lens of the cross. He emphasized the importance of coming alongside and supporting those who are weak in conscience. He knew the importance of living with a mindset, life isn't just about us. And the reason is simple. The strong should not live to always please themselves. That's why he went on to write, We who are strong ought not to please ourselves. We who are strong and conscious ought not to live our lives always pleasing ourselves. In other words, always getting our way. If we are strong in conscience or we're strong in faith, it directs us to use our strength to build people up, not to bring people down. You want to you show me someone who is strong in their faith? You want to show me someone who is strong in their conviction and their conscience and they're walking in the grace of God? They will come alongside those who are weak and instead of putting them down, they'll build them up. They'll help them along the road. One of my, one of my favorite scriptures in, in the New Testament is Galatians 6.1. And I love it because it teaches me when I, when, when I am walking in my strength not to condemn those who are failing and maybe going through difficult times. In fact, the Bible says, brethren, if anyone is caught in a trespass, you who are spiritual, in other words, you who are strong in your faith, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Notice that it doesn't say condemn such a one in a spirit of harshness. But it says, restore such a one in a spirit of gentle, gentleness, each one looking to yourselves so that you too will not be tempted. In other words, the way that you judge, and I mentioned, in, mentioned this last week, the way that we judge people is the way that we'll be judged. If we judge people with harshness, and I'm talking about brothers and sisters in Christ, if we judge them with harshness, then the Lord will allow situations to come into our lives where we will be judged in that same situation. He said, watch out because you will be tempted. He said, and then it goes on, it says, bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ is simple. Love one another. Jesus said, they're going to know that you're my disciple because you're going to love one another. Amen? Think about a situation in your life. Think about a person. Think about an argument that you've had. Think about how the, how the devil, not the Lord, how the devil tries to come in and cause division between your brother and your sister in Christ. Think about how the enemy wants to make the minors a major. I have people come to me, not all the time, this is, this is minute, 
Most of the time, people are walking in the love of God. At Living Word Chapel, we have an amazing church. I thank the Lord for the grace that operates in our church. Everyone that comes over here, they always talk about how the love that there is in this church is so evident. That speaks volumes. But every once in a while, there's just those certain people that they want to make a major of the minors. Disputable matters, things that they'll argue about. You can argue about it for days. They've been arguing about Calvinism and Arminianism for years. And there's some, the, some of the greatest theologians, John Calvin, Martin Luther, all kinds of different theologians that I could mention, John Knox, all the that people, great scholars, they never settled it. But the one thing that we need to settle is we need to walk in the love of God. The foundation, and I mentioned that last week, the foundation is that there is no salvation outside of Jesus Christ. He died for our sins, the total, totality of our sins. There is one God revealed to us in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We don't budge on that. But there are some things that we need to be real careful that we don't let those become divisions. Amen? If we're strong in faith, we'll walk in grace and humility so that we can help one who stumbles in his or her time of need. And it pleases God when we do this. Number three. Or the, the next thing on, on the outline. Look out for your neighbor. Look out for your neighbor. That's the golden rule. The thrust is for us to treat others the way we would like to be treated. Have you ever come at someone and just put them down? Have you ever said, you're wrong, you're this, you're that. Is that the way you want to be treated? Or is there a way that we can come and, and we can... Talk about things in a, in a civil matter or a civil manner. If we do that, if we treat people how we want to be treated, you'll make more friends than enemies. If you have a lot of enemies because of all the things that you're disputing about, if, if, that's, a, that's kind of a clue that it might not be them. It possibly could be us. If everywhere you go, you're arguing about things, and everywhere you go, you have, you have arguments that lead you into uh, quarrels and, and into uh, 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 anger, bitterness, and then into division, if that's what is following you, you might want to evaluate and look at this scripture. Amen? You'll help a lot more people than you'll ever hurt. Even when we have strong convictions. I, I mentioned last week that if I go to a church where everyone is wearing suits, first of all, they're my brothers and sisters in Christ if they love Jesus. I have no problem putting on a suit and walking in there and walking in the love of God. I can worship with them. I would not be walking in love as I, if I walked into that culture, that church culture, in jeans and, you know, those torn jeans that I talked about last week and went. Right? 
Instead, just walk in love. You'll help a lot more people than you'll ever hurt. Paul put it like this. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good. To build them up. How many, how many of us think about we should please our neighbors for our good? What's in it for me? But the Bible puts it another way. What's in it for them? How can I please my neighbor? And not, this does not mean compromising your convictions, but it says I'm going to love them where they're at. If our mindset gets transformed to make life about others and not just about ourselves, it will make us more like Jesus because Jesus lived his life saying, I am second. He put others first. He put the Father's will first. And we have to grasp our neighbors are important to God. Amen? When we came to Christ, we were the most important thing to God or important person to God than, than, than you could ever imagine. And people put themselves second when PJ came to, came to Christ. Thank God for that. That's why we connect to Jesus. That's how we grow in the things of the Lord. That's how we serve one another. That's how we reach out to those who need the love of God. Is we love our neighbors right where they're at. Point number two. We should follow the example of Christ. And if you are going to follow the example of anyone in the world, who would that person be? Praise God for those five replies. Who in your sphere of influence would be the most important, the most beneficial, and the most life-impacting person to imitate or to emulate? Amen. My answer would be Jesus. While some might say that they are not a role model, the Bible teaches us different. Because whether we admit it or not, we are all following someone and someone is imitating us. Whether we don't want to admit it or not, we are all following someone. We follow the patterns of someone. That's why people dress like they do. Because they're following someone. That's why people uh, uh, get all kinds of different things. Okay, so I'm going to mention something and don't get all uptight. The big craze right now, and, it, and I'm not saying bad, good, or indifferent. The big craze right now are tats. Tattoos. Amen? I'm not saying good, bad, or indifferent. Let me just say that. Where your convictions are, where your convictions are. But there's some very popular people that have been getting tattoos on, on, on television, on the sports. So it's very cool. Now, there was a, there was a time that it wasn't as cool as, as it is now. At one time, and I don't want to, I'm not majoring on the minors here. I just want to bring in an illustration. Some of you guys are going, no, if you're not convicted about it, just wear it, with, just wear it and honor God. But, but here's what I'm saying is that, that, that there, there was a time, maybe 50 years ago, maybe 100 years ago, when tattoos were not, they were not very big. 
I mean, a Marine might go overseas and get drunk one night and end up the next morning. Or go, ah. USMC. Oh, I get, oh, yeah. But what I'm saying about that is that people follow people. People are influenced by people. People, and, and, and so if you're going to follow anyone, you're going to follow Jesus. If you're a Christian. So here, here's, here's for the person that has a tattoo that's a Christian. He's going to say, well, pastor, you know in Revelations, it says that Jesus, when he comes back on his leg... It's going to be written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus is going to have a tat. <laughs> uh. What I'm saying about that, beloved, and that, that's just something that's a minor. Can I say that? Because God's interested in what's in our hearts. He's interested in how we live out our walk. If we're walking in the purity of God. Paul put it like this, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So Paul didn't say like uh, um, Sir Charles Barclay, he didn't say, I am not a role model. Paul said, follow my example as I am an example of Christ. We should all be trying to live our life in a way that we're going to reveal Christ to a world that needs him. I would love to hear one amen on that. We should all be living our lives in a manner that honors God so that people around us are going to say there's hope for us. I want what you have. So the Bible does not allow us to shy away from our responsibility to move progressively toward the goal of being Christ-like. That's called sanctification. And here in Romans 15, we see many of his attributes which we should continually be pursuing. The first one is we should be pursuing his unselfishness. We live in a society where it's all about us. Jesus didn't make it all about him. When we talk about the year-end offering, we're talking about making God first. When we talk about different things, doing missions work, when we talk about working in the children's church, you're, you're going beyond yourself. You're gonna, you say, I'm going to do it because this, this is worthwhile for someone else. And, and Roman puts it like, Romans puts it like this, For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Simply said, Jesus is unselfish. Can we say that? Jesus is unselfish. His life on earth was not one where he focused on himself. He came to serve others. The week after Easter, we're going to launch a series called I Serve. And we're going to go through four weeks of, of what Jesus taught us about serving. And then the last week, guess what we're going to do? I'm, I'm already giving you a prerequisite. The last Sunday, we're not coming to church here. We're going out to the communities and serving them. So just put that in your pocket. 
And we'll take it out. His life on earth was not one where he focused on himself. He came to serve others. He did not come to please himself. He made it his highest goal to identify with the Father to the point that the insult that are directed at God fell on him. Isn't that amazing how it says right there that the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me? He's talking about the Father and how, have you ever noticed that when people get mad, they'll say like, G, D, A, M, N. I'm like, why would you say to him it's not his fault? And then sometimes they get mad, and, and, and so Jesus took those insults. He took, it's not about himself. He said, I'm going to take all this. And then sometimes people get mad, and they'll say, Jesus. No, 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 it's not about Jesus. You should probably say, Satan. Why don't they say that? Satan. Why is this happening? You devil. It's not Jesus. He's the answer. Jesus Christ. No, 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 no. It's not Jesus Christ. Satan. The other attribute, another, another thing is his attitude. You see, God knows how doing and doing and doing for others can really drain us. How many have you done and done and done for others? Maybe some of you have family members. That you've been doing for, doing for, doing for, doing for. And it drains us. But the Bible reminds us, may may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. Do you think Jesus didn't get tired of Peter and Paul? I mean, Peter and John and Andrew? And, uh, and James and all of the other 12 arguing and bickering. But his attitude was one where he loved them where they were at. Jesus' life on earth was constantly helping, encouraging, healing, forgiving to an unthankful people. The, he did this for people that would eventually say, Crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And his attitude on the cross did not change. His attitude on the cross was, Father, get him. Rewind. That would have been us. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. Have you thought about this, that when people are walking in hurt, when people are walking in, in, in always causing an argument all the time, that they may be doing so because they're, they don't know what they're doing. They haven't embraced the grace of the cross and know that being right is not always right. Hear me now with this. Come... Have you known people that being right is so important to them that they'll ruin their relationships? I've seen people get divorced because they want to be right all the time. Can I tell you, I'll be wrong to make my wife happy sometimes. 
a lot of times. Because I like her happy. Are you with me? Jesus' attitude needs to be emulated. It needs to be imitated. We need to walk in that. The, the third thing of his, of, of, his, uh, of his attributes that we need to get is his acceptance. His acceptance. Let me give you guys a revelation. Here, here's the thing about disputable matters. Disputable matters are disputable. That's why they're called disputable matters. Let's go back to husband and wives. Husband and wives sometimes argue about the same thing for years. <laughs> 60 plus years of marriage, he wouldn't know. Now, now, the important thing here is sometimes it's worth just saying, it's, it's probably worth it just saying, it doesn't matter. It's disputable. We're never going to win this argument. You're convinced one way, I'm convinced another way. You're convicted one way, I'm convicted another way. But what Christ will do is he'll work in our attitude so that we can accept each other despite our differences. When I meet with pastors, can I tell you something? We don't bring up disputable matters. We stay focused on Jesus. And so Romans 15 goes on to say, accept one another, accept one another. Then just as Christ accepted you in order. Because if we agreed on everything, we would be a cult. You'd be zombie. Pastor James said this. Pastor James said. Please don't do that. What does the Bible say? What do your convictions say? There's, there's a wonderful thing in diversity. When the elders meet together, we've got... Eight elders, we get together. There's a wonderful thing about diversity. It's wonderful when, when one elder says, well, this is what I think, and the other elder says, well, this is what I think, and this is what I And we might not all agree sometimes, but we come to the consensus that we're going to put Jesus first, and the majority is going to lead us, and we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to be there. May it seem good to the Holy Spirit and to us as we move forward. The fourth thing in his attitude that I see is his servant's heart. And this is so cool as I was studying because Jesus accomplished the merging of the Gentile and the Jew by serving. By serving. The Jews, he served them in truth. Jesus. 
Jesus served the Jew where they needed to be served. And they needed to be served. They needed to know that he came to fulfill and accomplish everything that God had promised to the patriarchs. Everything the Old Testament prophets had written about the first coming of the Messiah. He came to serve them in truth. That's why Paul wrote, For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's... Say it with me. Truth. Isn't that cool? I've never seen that before. He's a servant of truth. So that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed. God had told Abraham that the nations would be blessed by his seed. And Jesus made that statement a reality. Because Jesus is the way and he's the truth and he's the life. The Gentiles, he served them in what? In mercy. How do we know that? Because the Gentiles, they were worshiping pagan gods. They weren't even looking for God. They didn't deserve salvation. But God had mercy. That man of God that just said hallelujah back there, his name is Benny Silva. And he's an elder here at the church. And one of his his prominent statements that he says all the time is he'll say, why me, God? Why me, God? Why why have you been so good to me? And and, and sometimes he gets teary-eyed. If you spend time with him, he says, I don't know. Why me? I ask myself, brother, why me? The answer is simple. Because of God's mercy. Because before we ever did anything worthy of being called good, God loved us. Before we did anything worthy of praise, Jesus died on the cross for you. Before we did anything that would be acceptable to God, Jesus said, I'm going to finish this so that they can have forgiveness. That's why Paul wrote, and moreover, that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. And he goes on, and he uses, he uses several Old Testament references. He says, as it is written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing praises in your name. Why can we sing praises to God? Because we've come in through the blood of the, through the, blood of the Lamb, through the blood of Jesus. And how have we come in? Through his mercy and his grace. You see, beloved, Jesus came as a servant to provide mercy to people who don't deserve it. I can say right now, right here, I did not deserve the mercy of God. But he loved me before I ever knew how to love. And he changed my heart. He goes on in Romans, and and, and I just want you to grab a hold of this. It says, again it says, and Paul is referencing Old Testament scripture, so he'll solidify the fact. He says, again it says, rejoice you Gentiles with his people. Who were his people? The Jews. Rejoice you Gentiles with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Let all the people extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up, that's Jesus. One will arise to rule over the nations in the Gentiles. I mean, and the Gentiles will hope in him. 
Why, why did he have to say that? Because there was such a divide between Jewish mindsets and Gentile mindsets. Why do we need to hear that now? Because there's divisions in the church that should not be there. We are a part of the church here. We're no better than, a, than any other denomination who loves Jesus Christ. And we should be able to love one another. Point number three. Here's what we can anticipate. He ends with a benediction and, and, and an expectation. And here's what we can expect. The first thing is we can expect to be filled May the God of hope fill you. I don't know if you guys ever live this way, but you should live expecting to be filled with God. We should be expecting to be filled. The Bible says do not get drunk on wine because it leads to dissipation or a wasteful life, but be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is God. we filled with God through the presence of the Holy Spirit. He continually desires to fill us. The other thing we should expect, we should expect to have joy. That's why Paul prayed, may God fill you with joy. And, and, and here, here's the thing, the joy of God makes it a pleasure to serve others and love them where they're at. If you're not walking in the joy of God, if you're walking in anger and you're always, oh, you're always on, on edge. Dude, chill. Take a joy pill, man. A little bit of Jesus. See, we need the joy of God to serve. How, how many times are you doing the work of God and you think, man, I'm the only one working, I'm the only one, I'm the only one. And God says, no, you're not the only one, I'm, I'm giving you the ability. And if you just come to me, I'll give you the joy. And then you can whistle while you work, you know. The, the other thing you can expect is you can expect to have peace. That's why Paul said, may, may God fill you with peace. And, and let me say this, who doesn't need peace when you're dealing with disputable matters? This context is so incredible. Who doesn't need peace when you're, when you're dealing with differences of opinion? And with different personalities. Yeah, amen, sister, I know, we do, we all do. You're, you're dealing with people. You're dealing with, 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 with disputable matters. And, and you need the peace of God so that you won't go off the wall. So you won't blow it. So you won't lose it. If we would do this, beloved, if we would walk in this, these attributes and these expectations that God has for us, then people around you would be like, wow. Jesus is really working in your life. And we should expect that. We should expect for his peace to be filling us. To have active faith is number four. We should, we, should, we should expect to have active faith. Notice that Paul says, as you trust him. In other, in other words, 
You continually trust Him. Every day, every day that I wake up, I know I'm going to have a challenge. Every day. Every day I have to put my trust in God. Because when I put my trust in myself, I seem to fail. When I put my trust in people, they sometimes fail. As we trust in Him. Active faith. And then the last thing that I see is an overflow of hope. So that you may overflow with hope. And, and this hope is by the power of the Holy Spirit. This peace is by the power of the Holy Spirit. This joy is by the power of the Holy Spirit. This act of faith is generated by the Holy Spirit. And, and, and hope is expecting for good in something that has not happened or occurred. In other words, have you had a problem in your life? Have you had maybe your kids, your young adults, your, uh, a work situation, and it's a mess, and, 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 you're, and you're saying, oh, it's such a mess, and you keep speaking, it's such a mess, it's a mess, it's a mess. You need to give a little bit of room for God. You, get, you have to give a little bit of room for hope. Are you with me? You give a little bit, you give a little bit of room, and, and you can expect that, that there's going to be this, this overflow, this overflow of hope. That means you're saying, it doesn't look good right now, but it's going to get better. It looks, it looks like this is, this is not going to work, but I have hope because Jesus makes the impossible possible. See, that's a God that we serve. That's the God of the Bible. And when we're talking about disputable matters, when we're talking about situations in your life, that you're fighting about, you're bickering about. Let me say something. There is hope when God is at the center. I'm way over time. I'm going to blame it on Buck. I'll never blame it on prayer. Thank you, Lord. So we are... Here's, what, here's how I'm going to close, because I think I need to close this way. I think we need to allow someone in here to give their life to Jesus if, if, if you've never have done that. So all heads bowed at this time. If you have not accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to invite you to do so today. God wants to invite you to become a part of his family so that you can walk in the peace of God. So that you can walk in the joy of God. So that you can walk in all of the attributes, the hope that he brings. I'm going to pray a prayer, and, and if this is you, just agree with me. Just a simple prayer. God, I'm a sinner. And I'm tired of living my life selfishly and believing the lie that my way is always right. Today, I am admitting that your way is always right. I am turning from my sin and coming to you for forgiveness and for a new start. I confess that Jesus died for my sins on the cross at Calvary, past, present, and future. I believe he rose from the dead on the third day, just like the scriptures foretold. And today I am making a choice to follow him in the fellowship of his church. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
for the gift of the Holy Spirit so that I can live an empowered life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All heads bowed still. This has been a message from Living Word Chapel. We hope that you've been blessed by it. Make sure you check out lwcoracle.org for more information.